what a blessing the music has been this morning. Uh, it's good to be here, and I pray that you are ready to hear from the Lord this morning. Uh, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to the book of Luke, chapter number 1. Luke, chapter number 1. And while you're turning, let me, let me remind you of something I said in an earlier video. Uh, after the service today, after the message, I want you to sit with your family, uh, sit with whoever you're with, and, and, and discuss, the, discuss the message. You'll get more out of it. You'll get more from it. And ask the questions uh, that I put in there. Uh, number one, what stood out in the message? What captured your attention? Uh, uh, what what did, did you seem to see more than anything in the message? Number two, uh, what, did this, what did this message say about God? What do we learn about God in this message? Number three, uh, what does it say about man? What can we learn about ourselves from what we heard today in the message out of God's word today? And really, really important part, the fourth question, is how can I apply this this week? What can I do this week to use what I learned today so that we can be doers of the word and not hearers only? Uh, it doesn't do us much good if we don't apply what we hear. So I hope you will do that. hope you'll spend a little time with your family and discuss and talk about it. And uh, let's go out there and do it, okay? Uh, if you have your Bible, we're going to be in Luke chapter number 1. And we're going to begin in verse number 5. And, and if you will do me a favor, if you're watching by way of uh, uh, social media, online, if you're on Facebook, if you don't care, would you hit that share button so we can let other people hear and know the message today? And also, just type in who you are and where you're listening from. That will encourage me. That will help me and let me know that you, you guys are out there. And, uh, and so if you will do that for me right before we begin, you go ahead and do that. I know some are watching by way of the cable channel, and, uh, and we, we welcome you too. And uh, we thank God for you being out there. But I want to I wanna do this. You, you do that for me, and I'm going to do my best to share what God's got uh, and has given me to give to you, okay? Uh, most of the time when you hear the Christmas story, you always hear about one baby. You hear about the baby, uh, the babe born in Bethlehem, the babe born in a manger, the babe who would grow up to be king. But if you really take chapter number one of the book of Luke, you'll find out that there were two babies announced and there were two babies talked about in chapter number one. And the first baby is the one we want to talk about today. So let's do that. We'll talk about baby number one today and next week. Uh, on a, in our Christmas service, we'll focus on baby number two, okay? Look in Luke chapter one in verse number five. I hope you're there. It says, there was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abiah. And his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. And they had no child because that Elizabeth was barren and they both were now well stricken in years. And it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. In other words, there were, there were several, there were many, many, many priests who would serve in the temple. But obviously they couldn't all serve at the same time. So they would take turns. They would go according to their order, according to the lot. And it just happened to be Zacharias' turn. And it was his job to burn incense at that particular time. And the Bible says in verse number 10, 
And the whole multitude of the people were praying without at the time of incense. And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. But the angel said unto him, fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard. Say that with me. For thy prayer is heard. And thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. And thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. And he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God. And he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. To make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for the privilege and the opportunity to be here this morning. I am so grateful for the, uh, the, the, the people who are, are committed and focused on serving you and learning from you. Lord, I pray right now that in every home, in every vehicle, uh, Lord, in every workplace, wherever this is being distributed... Lord, wherever people are listening, I pray that you will make it a little mini sanctuary. I pray that your presence will fill the living rooms. I pray that your presence will fill the vehicles. I pray that your presence will fill the workplace, wherever they might be. Lord, you said where two or three are gathered in my name, there in the midst will I be. And I pray for your Holy Spirit to be real and to move in an awesome way. I pray that you'll take your word this morning and encourage us in a dark time. I pray that you'll take your word this morning and challenge us and convict us, Lord. I pray that we can shine bright in a dark place. And I'll thank you and I'll praise you. I'll give you glory for it all. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And all God's people say amen right wherever you are at. I want you to look and I want to read just a little bit of information before we jump into the outline itself, just to kind of give you a a background of what's happening at this particular time and in the atmosphere and what's taking place. Here we find that if you will go back to the Old Testament, there is the last word that's giving from God to his people. It is given by the prophet Malachi. The word from God came from the prophet Malachi. And then the heavens went silent for 400 years. 400 years, no word from God. 400 years, silence from heaven. 400 years of what's called the dark time, the dark period. 400 years of silence. It was a time of darkness and despair. The political scene was wicked. The priesthood was worthless because it was bought and paid for by the politicians. The people were weary. They were burdened physically from bondage and spiritually because of the lack of godliness and righteousness in the priesthood. Here in Luke chapter number one, we find that the silence ended in the birth announcements of two very special babies. One would be a messenger. The other would be a Messiah. One would be a forerunner. The other would be a fulfillment. One would prepare and the other would provide. Hallelujah. Do we see this was a fulfillment of God today? 
Today, we're going to check out the first baby. Next week, we'll talk about baby Jesus. But today, we're going to talk about baby John. All right. It was indeed. It was indeed a dark day for the nation of Israel. The people had no prophetic word from God for 400 years. Not since Malachi had promised the coming of Elijah in Malachi 4, 5, and 6. That the spiritual leaders were shackled by tradition and in some instances even corruption. Their king, Herod the Great, was a tyrant. He had nine, some say ten wives, one of whom he had executed for no apparent reason. But no matter, no matter how dark the day, God always has his devoted and obedient children. Somebody say amen. Thank God there's always a remnant. It doesn't matter how dark it seems. It doesn't matter how difficult it seems. It doesn't matter how bad it seems to get. God has always got his people. God is always there. And so here's what I want to do. I want to take just a few moments and look at the first baby. The first baby, the first announcement that we have. There was an announcement of two babies. One, baby John, and the other, baby Jesus. One had an assignment, the other had an assignment. But here I want to look at first, let's look at the prophet John Baptist. Now, first I want you to see, just by way of introduction, this is not the outline, This is not the outline, just kind of a a way of introduction. Let's look at his parents. Let's look at his parents. The Bible says in verse 5 and 6, his father's name was Zacharias. His mother's name was Elizabeth. They were both righteous, according to verse number 6. They were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. But they had no child. They had no child. They were well stricken in years, and they had no children. We see his parents were Zacharias and Elizabeth. His purpose, according to chapter verse 16, it says, And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God, and he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for their Lord. You see, his purpose was to prepare to prepare for and present the promised king. If you'll remember later on, you'll find that he stood on the bank of the river and said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. He prepared the people by preaching the message of repentance. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Listen, repent. He is here. Repent. Our Messiah has come. So he prepared the people and then he presented the king. Behold, the Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. We see his parents. We see his purpose. Then thirdly, we see his purity. We see his purity. The Bible says in verse number 15, For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. And he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. We see he was set apart. He was sanctified. He he was totally committed to the work of his calling. He was totally separate unto God. Then we see his power. According to that verse 15, he was filled with the Holy Ghost right from the beginning. That means the Holy Spirit guided him. The Holy Spirit led him. The Holy Spirit directed him. He had the power of God when he preached. He had the power of God when he proclaimed truth. He had the power of God when he presented uh, the truth that the king was here. 
This baby was not just any baby. This baby was a baby that would grow up to be a great man. According to Jesus, the greatest man that was ever born before him. None greater had been born than John Baptist. John Baptist, what a blessing. We see three things I want to share with you. And here's what I want to do. Here's what I want to do. I want to give you what I took from this, from this chapter, what I see in this chapter uh, that took place by the birth of John Baptist. When John Baptist was born, this is what I see and this is what I take from it. But then I want to tell you what does that mean to us today? All right. This is what we see in this chapter and this is what it means for us today. If that makes sense, I hope it does. I want you to follow along with us. Number one, number one, the first thing I want you to see that the birth of John the Baptist tells us or teaches us, number one, it was a fulfillment of prophecy. It was a fulfillment of prophecy. When John Baptist was born on this earth, it was a fulfillment of prophecy. The Bible says in Isaiah, this is back in the Old Testament, Isaiah chapter number 40, verse number 3. He, Jesus, or excuse me, God, he, 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 he prophesied of the coming of this messenger. He prophesied of the coming of John Baptist. He says in Isaiah 40, verse 3, The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted. Every mountain and hill shall be made low. The crooked shall be made straight. The rough places plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. And all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. There's going to come a voice crying in the wilderness. That voice, its message will be, prepare for the coming of the Lord. Look in Malachi 4. Malachi 4, we find another prophecy. We find another prophecy concerning the messenger. Malachi 4, 5. Behold, I will send you Elijah, the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying this. Many, many, many years before John Baptist ever breathed his first breath of air, God said it would happen. Many, many years he promised that there would come a messenger. There would come a voice crying in the wilderness. There would come someone to stand up and proclaim and declare unto God's people, get ready for the king. Get ready. The Messiah is here. Repent of your sins. Turn toward God. Give him your life. He said, not only would there be a voice crying in the wilderness, but he would come in the spirit and power of Elijah. An Elijah-like character would come according to Malachi, and he would preach in the power of Elijah. We see those prophecies given in Isaiah 40 and Malachi chapter 4. Now watch what happens. In Luke chapter 1, verse 15, when it being, this is, this is God speaking about John Baptist. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. And he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. 
And now watch this. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God. Now concerning what Malachi said, watch this. And he shall go before him in the spirit and power of who? Elias. We're talking about Elijah. He shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people for their Lord. Matthew 11. Verse 14. Now, what is that telling us? What is that telling us? Look what Jesus says himself from his own mouth. Jesus says in Matthew eleven fourteen, And if ye will receive it, this is Elias, which was for to come. What is he saying? He's speaking of John Baptist. He said, if you will accept it, if you will receive it, John was the one Malachi was talking about. John was the Elijah that God promised it would come. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying this. Back in the Old Testament, God said he would send a messenger. God said that there would be a voice crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. God said in the Old Testament many, many years before John Baptist arrived, that there would be one that would come in the spirit and the power of Elijah. And guess what? In Luke chapter number one, a baby is born. A baby comes and he is filled with the Holy Ghost, even in his mother's womb. When that baby grows up, he begins to preach in the wilderness. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. He began to prepare and to preach and to proclaim repentance of sin and to turn to their Savior. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying by the words of Jesus himself that John was that Elijah which was to come. He was the one that God was talking about. He was the one that God had promised in Isaiah. He was the one that God had promised in Malachi. Somebody say amen. Now how do I take this? What what do I see? I see in this chapter, John is a fulfillment of prophecy. But what can I take from this to apply to myself today? This is what I take from this. John was a fulfillment of prophecy, which tells me that God will do what he said he will do. Oh, I hope you get that. I hope you're hearing what I'm saying this morning, that God will do what he said he will do. God will do what he said he will do. Now, you say, preacher, what does that have to do with me? How is that an encouragement to me? Because God said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. I will be a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. He said, I will supply all of your need according to his riches in glory. He said, I will walk with you through the valley of the shadow of death. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. God said he would meet my need. God said he would prepare a path before me. God said his word would be a lamp unto my feet and a light into my path. God said he would never walk away. God said he'd always be there for me. He would make sure there's a meal on my plate. He would make sure that I would have what I need. He has promised me salvation. He has promised me that he would forgive me of my sin and to wash me white as snow. He has promised me a home in heaven. Ladies and gentlemen, it's great to know that God will do what he said he would do. Man, I hope you're getting this at home because I'm feeling the Holy Ghost right here. I want you to know if God said it, he'll do it. If God promised it, it will be fulfilled. 
God will do what he said he would do. Hallelujah. Well, we can give an invitation right there. That's good enough. Amen. God will do what he said he'll do. God will fulfill what he said. Listen, number two, number two. Whoo, got to calm down. Ain't going to have much left. Amen. Number one, God will do what he said he will do. John Baptist is a, he is a fulfillment of prophecy. He's a fulfillment of prophecy. Say that with me right where you are. He is a fulfillment of prophecy. Number two, number two, we find in verse number 13, it says, an angel said unto him, fear not Zacharias for thy prayer is heard. Thy prayer is heard. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying John Baptist was a fulfillment of prophecy. Say it with me. He was a fulfillment of prophecy. But number two, he was also an answer to prayer. He was an answer to prayer. Oh, please, please hear me. Please hear me. God hears and answers prayer. Now, I, I, want you to, I want you to see something about this now. <clears throat> I want you to see something about this. Because I know some of you are kind of skeptical, and I know some of you are kind of pessimistic. And, uh, and I want you to understand, well, preacher, I prayed, and I just don't seem to get an answer. Well, watch this. Watch this. According to the scriptures, Zacharias is well stricken in years. He's on up there in age, okay? He's on up there in age. And, 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 and now, now they're going to have a baby, now they're going to have a baby. And, and this is what the angel, this is what the angel says. He says, listen, Zacharias, God's heard your prayer. Now, if they're having a baby, if they're having a baby, and, and, and the angel says this is, this is a result of the prayer that's prayed, then that must mean that Zacharias was praying for a son. He was praying for a baby. Now, here's what I believe. Here's what I believe. Now, I don't know. I don't know how old they were when they got married. I don't know what that age is. It does not say, not that I can find. Uh, uh, I may have overlooked it, but I don't think it's there. But I do know in that day that they got married very, very young. Most of the time they got married very, very young. And most of the, most of the families and the couples there, they would have children right away. They would want a family right away. It was a blessing. It was, it was seen as a blessing from God. They, they thought way differently back then than people do today. And so right in the beginning, they were probably praying for a baby. So here we have, we have a family. Here we have two godly people. The Bible says they were righteous. The Bible says they were blameless. In the midst of all the corruption of the high priesthood, in the midst of the darkness and the corruption of the time, we see this couple was trying to serve God, was trying to do the right thing, was, was righteous and blameless before God, but yet they were barren. Yet they had no child. And so day after day, month after month, year after year, they would pray and pray. And they would pray for a baby. They would pray for God to give them a child. And as the, as the years went on and as time went on, I, I'm, I'm guessing here, I'm guessing here because 
Uh, if, you'll, if you'll keep reading, we don't have time, but if you, I, I hope you do. I hope you go read the whole chapter and be, prepare yourself for next week. But if you'll read, you'll find out that, that, that Zacharias had a problem. He had a problem because when the angel told him he was going to have a son, he, he, he doubted it. He didn't believe it. He struggled with it. So what that tells me, that somewhere along the line, somewhere along the years, somewhere along the months and the days, that there's a great possibility that he stopped praying that prayer. There's a great possibility he gave up on praying for a son. But let me tell you something. Even when he gave up, even, <laughs> hallelujah, even when he didn't think it could happen, God had heard his prayer. Now listen. Now listen. I want you to, I want you to understand this. I want you to understand this. There are, there are times. There are times when, when, when things don't turn out the way we, we technically want them to or ask for them to or maybe expect them to. And we think God hasn't heard us. We think God doesn't care. We think God is ignoring us in our situation. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to know, according to this chapter, we hear that John is an answer to prayer. So what can we apply that to us today? What can we learn from this today? That God hears us when we pray. Look at your neighbor, whoever you're sitting with, and say, hey, God hears you when you pray. God hears you when you pray. You may not think he does, but he hears you when you pray. When you're discouraged, when you're distraught, he hears you when you pray. He said, call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Now the thing that we've got to understand, that his timing may not be our timing. His way of doing things may not be our way of doing things. His thoughts is way higher than our thoughts and his ways way higher than our ways. We just got to pray and keep on praying. We just got to ask and keep on asking. We just got to seek and keep on seeking. We just got to knock and keep on knocking. Just keep on praying. Even when you feel like giving up, keep on praying. When you feel like throwing in the towel, keep on praying. When you think it's all over but the crying, keep on praying because God hears our prayer. There is a God in heaven who hears us when we pray. There's a God in heaven who cares about our prayers. The Bible says, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. He cares for you. I broke that verse down one time. I broke that verse down one time looking at the definitions and you have the word care in the word careth in the same verse. Casting all your what? Casting all your care. Now that definition, that word means things that distract. Things that disturb. Things that keep you up at night. Things that bring a tear to your eye. Things that bring anxiety to your heart. Things that bother you and break you down. Jesus is saying, I want you to give me your burdens. I want you to give me your cares. I want you to give me your struggles. I want you to give me your heartbreaks. I want you to give me your weaknesses. I want you to give me your failures. I want you to give me your fears. Just give them to me. Cast all your care upon him. Why? 
For he careth for you. He careth for you. That second word, careth, you know what it literally means? It means it matters to him. It matters to him. He's not up in heaven. Listen, in an unconcerned state of his children, it matters to him if you're happy. It matters to him if you're sad. It matters to him if you're broken. It matters to him if you're mended. It matters to him if you're discouraged. It matters to him if you're struggling. It matters to him. He says, give me your problems. Give me your cares. Give me your struggles. Give me your burdens because it matters to me. It matters to me what kind of state that you're in. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying when John the Baptist arrived, he was an answer to prayer. He was an answer to prayer that may have been given up to be prayed. This may be a prayer that John, or excuse me, Zacharias had done quit praying many years ago. But thank God, even when he quit, God didn't. God had a plan. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's not that God hadn't heard your prayer. Maybe it's not that God is ignoring your prayer. Maybe God has a timetable. Maybe God has a timeline. You see, God had a plan for John. God had something for John to do. And let me tell you something. Even though maybe Zacharias and Elizabeth didn't understand this, John was born right on time. Right on time. Number three, and we'll be done this morning. You see this, this baby... This baby, John Baptist, this miracle baby, this miracle baby, this baby that only can come from God, from two barren elderly parents, we see he was a fulfillment of prophecy. God said it was going to happen. God said in the book of Isaiah, God said in the book of Malachi that this was going to take place. He was a fulfillment of prophecy, which tells me that God will do what he says he will do. Number two, this baby is an answer to prayer. This baby is an answer to prayer. And that tells me that God hears us when we pray. God hears us when we pray. And how encouraging it is to know that He will do what He said He will do and that He hears us when we pray. Listen, I want you to look at number three. Number three, I want you to see, I want you to see that not only is John Baptist's birth a fulfillment of prophecy, number two, it's an answer to prayer. But number three, I want you to see it's part of a plan. John Baptist's birth is just one part of a big plan. Look what it says in, in verse, number, verse number 17. <clears throat> verse number 17. And he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared For the Lord. I want to skip over to verse number 76. This is after the birth. This is after he's arrived and they're celebrating. They're celebrating and and, and, and Zacharias is praising God for this great blessing. He says in verse 76, And thou child, thou child shalt be called the prophet of the highest. Thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sins, 
through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring from on high has visited us, to give light to them that are sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit and was in the deserts till the day of his showing unto Israel. You see, John's birth was just a part of a plan. It's part of a plan. Now, this point may not seem as dramatic as the first two, but it's going to have more power than the first two. It should affect the way you think more than the first two. It should affect the way you feel about our situation right now than the first two. You see, our situation is dark. Let's just admit it. I've been talking to nurses. I've been talking to doctors. I've been talking to paramedics. I've been talking to directors over a whole, uh, uh, a whole company of paramedics. And it is a dire situation that we are in. I don't think people really understand how, 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 how uh, dangerous a situation we're really in in our community. It is, it is bad and getting worse. And we can look around, we can look around and we can say, oh my goodness, what are we going to do? We can bite our fingernails to the quick and be afraid and scared to death. But here's, here's the thing, you got to understand, even in the darkness, even in a time of despair, even in a difficult hour, even when the politicians are cruel and wicked, even when the, listen, the priesthood was of no use, when the people were weary and ready to give up and ready to throw in the towel, God had a plan. God had a plan. What does that mean? What do we take from that? How can we apply this? You see, the first point was John was a fulfillment of prophecy. What is that? What do we learn from that? That God will do what he said he would do. Secondly, John was an answer to prayer. What do we take from that? That God hears us when we pray. Now, the third point we take from this story in this chapter is that God or John Baptist was part of a plan. God has put him in place as part of a plan. So what can we take from that? What can we learn from that? Watch this now. God has it all under control. Did you hear what I just said? God has it all under control. This, this virus has not sprung up on God. This did not take God by surprise. One of the greatest statements I've ever heard in my life, I heard a preacher say, has it ever occurred to you that nothing has ever occurred to him? He's always in control. He always knows what's going to happen. I love the verse. I love the verse when Jesus is with his disciples. When Jesus is with his disciples and the people don't have nothing to eat. And and he asked his disciples, how are we going to feed them? Not because he was trying to find an answer. Because the Bible said, for he knew what he would do. And I'm glad when we don't know, when we don't have it figured out, when we don't know what tomorrow holds, when we can't figure out what to do, God already knows what to do. He is in control. He has not abdicated the throne. He is still in charge. And we can rest in the fact that God is in control. Now, does that mean we just, we just go through life willy-nilly? Does that mean we just go through life and don't take precautions and don't take the steps that our medical community has, has asked us to take? 
No, no. The Bible says don't tempt the Lord thy God. But we can do this. We can do this. When we've done all we can do, when we've done all we can do, we can rest in the fact that we have a God who is at all under control. We don't have to go to bed fearful. We don't have to go to bed weary. We don't have to, we don't have to wring our hands in fear. We don't have to bite our fingernails to the quick. We can rest in the fact that God has a plan. God has a plan. And by the way, His plan is always on time. Did you hear me? His plan is always on time. When they went into the, when they went into the town with Mary and Martha and Lazarus, Lazarus had been dead. Lazarus had been dead for several days. And, and it seems like God was late, but he was right on time. He walked into that, he walked into that, that graveyard and called Lazarus' name and said, Lazarus, come forth. You see, God's right on time. God, God needed that to take place so they could see that Jesus was not just a prophet. Jesus was not just a healer. He was not just a good physician, but he was the resurrection and the life. That even death had no power over him. Now things may have happened in your life that it seems to have killed your dream. Things and hopes and dreams and desires in your life may have died like Lazarus. But I want you to know that God's on time. That God can resurrect the dead. God can bring dreams back into fruition. That God has got a plan. So today I want you to, I want you to talk to your family. I want you to tell your neighbor. I want you to instruct your friend and tell him, look, God's got this. God's got it all under control. John Baptist's birth teaches me that, that God, he is a fulfillment of the plan of God. That God will do what he said he would do. Listen, it's an answer to prayer. Zacharias was praying for a baby and God heard his prayer. God hears us when we pray. Not only that, it was part of God's plan. It just fell right into place with God's plan that he had before the foundation of the earth. Listen, God's got it under control. Ladies and gentlemen, please rest in the fact that you've got a God who is powerful enough to meet any need. He is powerful enough to solve any problem. He is wise enough to know everything. And there's nothing impossible for our God.